Hey, this is Kevin Rowe. This week, Charles Stanley passed away at the age of 90. He was the longtime pastor of First Baptist Church Atlanta, Georgia. Two very influential forces in my life, Andy Stanley and Louis Giglio, grew up in his ministry. His in-touch ministries ministered to millions. He left a legacy. Legacy. It's a big word with an even bigger impact. When a team wins a championship, the reality is that there are usually players who came before and paid the price that made the championship possible for those who followed them. Legacies are also a tricky thing. As Rich Mullins once said, if your life is motivated by your ambition to leave a legacy, what you'll probably leave as a legacy is ambition. On episode 17, join me in reflecting on legacies, what they are, what they mean, how they're built, whether in our lives, our families, our churches, or our communities, we are both impacted by the legacies of those who have gone before us, and we are called to leave a legacy for those who come behind us. And with that, let's jump in to episode 17. Welcome to episode 17. As we begin today, I want to let you know about a couple of interviews that we're working on lining up for the near future. One is with the head coach of a regional and hopefully World Series bound college softball team. Another is an author who is also a professor at Baylor University. Uh, another is with a marketing manager of an incredible ministry that literally spreads the gospel around the world, including into close countries. Uh, another is a director of a ministry making a powerful impact, impact on a college campus in the Metroplex, plus more. But today, I want to talk about legacy. This week has been a week of focusing on legacy for me. As I mentioned in the introduction, Charles Stanley left a huge legacy from his 90 years of life in ministry. And I'm actually recording this Thursday night after the senior night for Arlington Baptist University softball team. We honored six seniors, five of which played last year on what is known as Team One, literally the first team that Arlington Baptist ever had. Uh, and then another senior joined the team this year and has been a very valuable contributor in year two of the program. The reality is the seniors are helping build something. They're leaving something behind. They're leaving a legacy. And everyone who comes behind them will benefit from the legacy that they leave. Tomorrow night, Friday night, our family will be attending the Legacy Banquet for Stonegate Christian Academy. You heard about Stonegate in our last episode of Community Chat. And actually in the show notes, I'll have a link again to the auction if you'd like to uh, bid on any of the items that they have for the silent auction. It's open now. You're welcome to bid anytime through Friday night. I believe it closes at 9 o'clock. But the legacy banquet that Stonegate has celebrates the legacy that's built um, over 46 plus years uh, with both Shady Grove Christian Academy and then Stonegate Christian Academy. Uh, same school, just different names. Um, and there are teachers who have taught there for decades. Um, there are actually teachers who used to be students there, both a long time ago and more recently. A legacy has been built and it continues to be built. See, here's the thing. It's hard to be the trailblazer to be the one who goes where no one has gone before. I know we think Star Trek when we hear that. Um, but uh, the head coach of Arlington Baptist University, David Beaver, uh, and I worked together at a charter school that opened with sixth graders as its oldest class. So each year, that group of students was the oldest. Um, they, were the, they were the original sixth graders. Then they were the first group of seventh graders, the first group of eighth graders, and then first group of high school students, and so on. And they stepped up and did some amazing things. Uh, their leadership just developed in more and more and more, but they had to bear a bunch of the weight as the oldest class because they didn't have the benefit of anyone who had gone before them. Now, I think back to when I did stats for the football team. I was at Lamar High School in Arlington. Eddie Peach had been the head coach there since the school opened in 1970. Uh, by the time I came to school in 1991, a tradition had been built. There was a legacy. 
new players knew what was expected of them because of those who had gone before them. And they usually performed up to those expectations because of that legacy. They wanted to build on it rather than to embarrass it. Now I think about Baylor basketball. In 2003, Baylor men's basketball was in shambles. Uh, Again, there had been a horrific crime that had been committed by one player who had murdered another player. Uh, The coaching staff, unfortunately, had been doing some some illegal things in in the the area of recruiting and uh, and basically paying different things for players. And they were trying to cover that up. They didn't want to get caught. And so they made up lies and this horrible thing. Um, And obviously far worse things than just talking about basketball. But as far as the school went, the basketball program got in a ton of trouble. Well, obviously they have to fire the coach um, and uh, bring in a new coach. And a, a new coach comes in named Scott Drew. Uh, Scott had followed his dad at Valparaiso State, uh, where his brother had hit a huge game-winning shot in March Madness that's shown pretty much every year in the the highlights of old March Madness, uh, you know, NCAA tournaments from years before. But Scott had been the coach there, head coach there for a year, and then he took the job at Baylor. Well, again, Baylor had to pretty much let anybody leave that wanted to leave, but there were a few guys who stayed. Um, and then a year later, an Australian player named Aaron Bruce came in and he's this amazing three point shooter. And, um, and again, they had rough seasons when he was there, but he brought some excitement with him. Well, a year after he comes, uh, in, in a season where they would only play conference games, you get Curtis Gerald's, you get Henry Dugat, you get Kevin Rogers, you get Mamadou, the, uh, the mayor, Dien, uh, who joined the team. And a year later, the highest at that time rated recruit to ever sign with Baylor named Tweedy Carter rolls in. Um, and then you fast forward to 2021 and Baylor men's basketball wins the national championship. Well, when they did that, they made a point of honoring all of the players who had come before in the time while Scott Drew had been there. Going back to that original team with that handful of guys that had stayed and the guys that came in then. And I know Scott Drew tells a story about going to Fazoli's in Waco. And basically, if he saw a tall guy there, he tried to recruit him to come play basketball because that's that's what they're looking at. And a legacy was built by the guys who put in the hard work in those early lean years that made it possible for the great years that followed. And again, they built a legacy out of the ashes of what had happened before. Legacy. It's a big word. Mark chapter eight, starting in verse 34 We read this. It says, then he, talking about Jesus, called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. So the question is this, um, is, is those couple verses, when I tie it into legacy, this is what I think about. Do you want to be a legend or do you want to leave a legacy? If you want to be a legend, you'll probably miss the mark. Again, that trying to say, you know, they want to save their life and you lose it. That's kind of what you have there. Rich Mullins had this quote. He says, if your life is motivated by your ambition to leave a legacy, what you'll probably leave as a legacy is ambition. If we look around our culture, we'll see so many people who think that, you know, we showed up accidentally, we float around um, and then we're gone. We came from nothing. We go to nothing. Nothing really matters. The thing is, if there's no destiny, then is there a purpose? If there's no purpose, is there any truth? If there's no truth, is there a right and wrong? And we're basically left with what Chuck Chuck Colson once called talk show truth. 
and, and this is kind of a lady gets up. She's had an affair with all five of her husband's brothers. Someone in the audience has the microphone and says, hey, if they're cool with it, he's cool with it. And she's cool with it. Then go for it. And everybody stops, starts applauding because does it matter? And so many people are living a plain, boring life, just doing the same stuff every day. And it never changes. You think about it. You get up at the same time, shut off the same alarm clock or phone, walk in the same old bathroom, look at the same old face in the mirror, get in the same old shower, dry off with the same old towel, put on the same old clothes, go to the same old kitchen, get out the same old cereal, drink the same old coffee, get in the same old car, drive the same old way to the same old job, sit at the same old desk, clock out at the same old time, get back in the same old car, drive down the same old street, walk back into the same old kitchen, walk into the same old family room and sit in some, you know, in the same old recliner. Watch the same old Will of Fortune episode, go to bed in the same old bed, set the same old alarm clock or phone again, uh, and get ready to do the same old thing over again. But God didn't create us to live that way. We have one shot at this thing. We've got to live with urgency, with a passion. We would live like this thing really matters. William Wallace in Braveheart said, all men die, but not every man really lives. Well, there were a group of 95-year-olds who were surveyed about what they would do differently. And here's what they said. They said, one, we would reflect more. We'd slow down. We'd savor more sunsets. We would enjoy life more. We would soak in more moments, more special moments. We wouldn't work so fast and so feverishly. Then they said, we'd risk more. We'd take more chances. We would live life that's an adventure in which you can't pick the fruit unless you're out on a limb somewhere. I love that picture there. You can't pick the fruit unless you're out on a limb somewhere. And then they said we would live our life in such a way that we would do something with it that would live on long after we're dead and gone. And I hope that we wouldn't wait until we're 95 to realize that. That is legacy. Legacy, it's such a big word. It carries such weight and such potential. And it's different than reputation. Your reputation is who you're believed to be, but your legacy is who you are. Your reputation is what you have, have when you come into a new community. Your legacy is what you leave behind when you go. Your reputation may be made in a moment, but your legacy is built in a lifetime. Your reputation is what men say about you on your tombstone, but your legacy is what your children will live with for the rest of their lives. What does that look like? I mean, how do you get into a cold pool? Do you tip your, I mean, do you dip your toe in, you know, then ankles, then calves and et cetera? I mean, you might do that, but really the best way to do it is to run, to jump and to do a cannibal right in the middle of the pool. And what happens when you do that? Well, there are all of these ripples that go out. And if the sides of the pool weren't there, they would just keep going and going and going and going long after you made your initial splash. And that's what God had in mind for us. He said, I want you to live. I want, I want to give you a life where you make some ripples with your life, where you touch someone's life and they touch someone's life and they touch someone's life. And long after you're dead and gone, the ripples will still be going. Exodus, starting in verse 20, or in chapter 20, starting in verse 5, it says, I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. Now, that passage sounds pretty harsh, punishing the children of the third or fourth generation for the sins of the parents. But we do see this play out in families who struggle with alcohol from generation to generation or, or violence that begets violence or financial woes that, that ripple down through generations so many more things, but the passage doesn't end there. Verse six says, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. What an incredible promise for those who had established legacies that are about loving and honoring God, a thousand generations. The reality is that I am who I am in large part because of the ripples of Dell and Bonnie Rowe. 
of Clyde and Gladys Rowe, Howard and Dorothy Alter, the extended families of the Rose, the Nelsons, the Alters, and the Wises. And because of people like E.J. Brinson and Jimmy Draper and Ron Holton and Rick Cagle and Dennis Wiles and so many others who have invested in me, that's why I love the opportunity to invest into others and especially in, in younger generations that are coming along because I want to make an impact in them that will help them make an impact in others and it will go on and on and on again. Well, in the early 1990s, there was a young woman in her 20s who passed away from cancer. It was in about 10 years before that, though, she had been a college student at Baylor who did all the normal college things. She went to sporting events and had fun with friends at different activities. She studied, she took tests, she did projects and things like that. But in the midst of that, she had a heart for God. And she listened to the leading of the Spirit. And in doing so, she heard God speak the vision of what he wanted to do at Baylor. Baylor was somewhat of a dry place at the time and was in need of a fresh breeze from God. And so she shared that vision with some other students and they prayed and they sought God's direction. And a small Bible study started in the clubhouse of an apartment complex. A couple of years later, the girl graduated from Baylor, got married, and went on with the rest of her life. Well, the spring of my freshman year at Baylor in 1995, I was one of over a thousand students who were at that Bible study when a guy named Louis Giglio told her story the week that she passed away. He said that this was the first night she was really getting to see a glimpse from God's perspective of what he was doing through her faithfulness to the vision that he had shared. And it really was amazing to see what God had done at that point. But that wasn't even the end of the story. See, that was Louis's last year in Waco. He went home to Georgia and continued his work with college students, but on a larger scale. A couple of years later, the first of several passion conferences was held. Now, I got extremely sick while I was at the first one, but I was there. And the next year and the next after that. And then then there were one-day events, and there were more passion events. And fast forward a couple of decades, and my nephews and nieces are you know, among 50-plus thousand students who attended the Passion Conference in the last couple of years at the Georgia Dome. And it started with a college sophomore who listened to the Spirit's leading, and she had no idea what would happen long after she was gone. Ripples. So what do we need to do today? Well, one, for some of us, we need to forgive someone and let go of the past. You may have been hurt deeply. You may have spent your whole life trying to please someone only to find out that's impossible. You ha may have pain beyond mention. And while you may have every right to hang on to that pain, you're allowing someone else to determine your legacy if you don't let go. I've said this before, and it's certainly not an original quote to me, but bitterness is like taking poison and waiting for the other person to die. And again, it will keep us from creating the legacy that God has called us to create. Second, you know, other people may need to face their own shortcomings and then move on. Don't deny it. Call it what it is. Think about Paul. He had a lot to face up to and he embraced it. But once you do that, once you embrace it and you confront it and let God deal with it in you, you need to forget it and let it not be an anchor that holds you back. That's the picture we see in Philippians chapter 3, starting in verse 12. Not that I have already obtained all of this, Paul writes, or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Don't let the past beat you again and again. 
that's one of the, you know, one of the things we keep trying to teach our athletes, you know, the, the athletes that I've worked with in the past and, you know, in the softball team that, you know, get to be chaplain with this year is don't let the last mistake beat you over and over again. The saying is good quarterbacks have short term memories because a quarterback who throws an interception on one drive doesn't need to be dwelling on it when he goes out on the next drive or he's going to be timid and, and probably make more mistakes again. But instead, forget it and then make the play that's in front of you. Well, that's the same thing for our lives. And then the third thing is to realize it's going to take time. If you're building towards a worthwhile legacy, great, but realize it's going to take time. It's about developing spiritual practices and disciplines that will help you grow in your walk with Christ. It's about making consistent decisions to love your family better, to love others better. It's in losing our life for Christ and the gospel that we truly save it. And if you're currently building towards a legacy that you'd rather not leave, it's not too late to change where you're headed. It may take time to turn the ship, but you can start turning the rudder now. Because the thing is, you're going to leave a legacy. Let me say that again. You're going to leave a legacy. It can be good. It can be bad, but it will be something. Those who are abused, unfortunately, are more likely to abuse. The father who is absent so often leads to the child who is constantly seeking out love and acceptance in often unhealthy ways. On the other hand, it's like someone named Edward Kimball sharing Christ with a 17-year-old shoe salesman named Dwight L. Moody. And the ripple that goes down through generations is Billy Graham coming to know Christ. It's a great story. If you don't know it, look it up sometime. Edward Kimball. And again, he shares with a 17-year-old shoe salesman named Dwight L. Moody, which is a name that many of you will recognize as well. And ultimately, there's a line you can trace to Billy Graham. So Community North Baptist Church, the, the church that I'm at, the church I pastor, it is who it is today as a church because of those who've gone before, whether they were a part of North or whether they were a part of Community Avenue Baptist. And uh, those churches have come together. But again, you can trace one all the way back to 1900. And whether it was a century ago or decades ago or years ago, or even some who are still in our congregation today, we are impacted by the legacy of so many who have gone before us. We're impacted by them. And again, there are people who are in our church today that we can look at, and they have had a huge part. And there are families that are there that uh, maybe it's the matriarch or the patriarch who's no longer with us, but they left an incredible legacy. And they left it on. The, their life was a legacy. They left a, a legacy with their family. They left a legacy with our church. They left a legacy in our community. So again, we are impacted by those who have left a legacy, but we're also called to help leave a legacy for those who come behind us. And whether that's, and again, at our church or wherever you may be, the calling is that we embrace the legacy of those who've come before us and we build on it in a way that's honoring to God. So thank you for taking a few minutes to reflect on legacy. Again, looking forward to some some great interviews coming up with some people who are working on leaving some great legacies. And I look forward to sharing those with you soon. Uh, but thank you for being with us today. Thanks for listening to the Community Chat Podcast today. You can subscribe to this podcast on your app of choice, or you can visit us at communitynorthbc.org to find out more information about this podcast or our church. Thanks for listening.